All right. Welcome to the Felt Recall Podcast. This is episode number 156. I'm Chris, flying solo. Uh, Hulon, I don't know where he is. Out there doing something of note. Uh, but he's not here. He told me he wasn't going to be here. I don't mean to say he stood me up or anything. I, just, I don't know what he's up to tonight. But not here, and that's okay. I am, and there's a lot to get to. Really, it's just one less thing standing in my way of getting my big fat foot right in my mouth when Hulan's not here. So <clears throat> take that for what it's worth. Uh, did I say it's 156? It is. It's episode number 156 of the Felt Recall podcast. I'm glad to have you here. Make sure you learn more about us at feltrecoilshow.com. That's feltrecoilshow.com. There you can support those who support us when you support them, like AR500 Body Armor, like my Patriot Supply. They're all there on the website for you. Um, it's really hard to know where to start this week because what a mess. What a mess we're in. But we'll start, I guess, where we always do with this week's charity of choice, and that is the Mighty Oaks Foundation. MightyOaksPrograms.org is the website for Mighty Oaks Foundation. Uh, Mighty Oaks provides peer-to-peer resiliency and recovery programs that serve as the catalyst in assisting our nation's warriors dealing with challenges related to the struggles of daily military life, combat deployments, and the symptoms of PTS offered at no cost to the nation's warriors, including travel to beautiful ranches across the U.S. Visit Mighty Oaks found, uh, Mighty Oaks Programs. Org, MightyOaksPrograms.org to learn more about Mighty Oaks Foundation, how you can donate to help them out. Because, by the way, if you don't know, <clears throat> that is the group who's currently overseas in Afghanistan trying to rescue those that the government is leaving behind. And this brings up what I think will be, I don't know, a bit of a debatable point this week. I was surprised by some not surprised by others at the backlash Tim Kennedy received this week for, I know, (laughs) hold on, you're not going to believe this. Apparently, if you're a 17-year veteran of the U.S. Special Forces and you decide to fly to Afghanistan and help save innocent people because in your free time, you've also taken partnerships with certain companies in the gun community, you will catch flack from a lot of people who have, I know it's going to surprise you, done nothing for their country (laughs) at all. They've never bled for it. They've never sweated for it. They've never contributed of their personal time for it. But they are unhappy that Tim Kennedy is doing what he's doing in particular Um, there is a two bit Mark. What what do you call these guys? He's not an influencer. He's a, uh, personality on Instagram and YouTube. And he calls Tim Kennedy a fraud and says that, uh, Tim Kennedy is, uh, basically pulling a hoax on everyone, which is weird because, He's actually there doing what he says he's going to do. And again, people are upset by it because that's the way people are. Uh, Calls him an opportunist, a grifter, a Second Amendment fraud, a con man, and a moron. 
Now, this is from a guy. I, I tried to look his resume up, and I'm not going to tell you who he is, uh, not because it bothers me to tell you who he is, but that gives him exactly what he's looking for is the attention. Because when you talk about frauds and grifters, those are people who say things that may not necessarily be true so that they can get money from you, which is exactly what most of these affiliate marketing people do. They get products from companies. They earn a percentage on the back end. They say nice things about them. And so when they want to make that their full-time job and they want to sound like a pseudo expert, which they're not even close to being, they'll take anything they can and they'll say it's great so that you'll buy their t-shirt from their t-shirt company or you'll buy whatever products so you can get, they can get their percentage kickback, whatever that may be. That is a much better example of a grifter and a fraud and a moron than a special forces operator who's willing to pack a bag and fly into the middle of hell in order to rescue Nazarene Christians who will be persecuted when they're left behind by the Biden administration, hundreds of orphans, and the interpreters who have helped save countless lives of U.S. service members. I don't know what this guy ever did. Again, I tried to look. I looked all through his Instagram and his uh, couple thousand followers to see if he had anything posted of, I don't know, maybe one of those times that he was at uh, basic or maybe on his uh, every other weekend serving with the reserve unit. Any one of those things would suffice for me because the way I see it, you look for the helpers as Mr. Rogers mom would say, uh, this guy is not a helper. He's a whiner. He's a complainer. He's a critic. And as Patrick is always fond of saying, uh, you can travel the whole world, you'll not find a statue of a critic. Yet here this guy is, upset. Tim Kennedy went over there and saved innocent lives. He was upset, by the way, because like a lot of other basement dwellers, he was probably on Reddit, reading subreddits from Marines who were frustrated at the operation that was happening and blaming Tim Kennedy as if he was somehow firsthand responsible for any and everything that went wrong. Tim Kennedy was quick to get on Instagram and point out that A, it wasn't his team. He was a volunteer with an NGO that was over there, by the way, a non-governmental organization. He wasn't running around on his own. Says the army doesn't care how many followers he has. Uh, he was serving alongside people who have decades more experience than he does, and that they did not bring in buses of unverified Afghans. He's going to give you a whole explanation, along with uh, Chad from the Mighty Oaks Foundation, who's running Save Our Lives Coalition, which is the private entity, nonprofit, that's over there saving people that the government and the affiliate marketing grifters of the world are doing nothing for. Nada. Zilch. Except, again, sitting on the couch in their basement, whining through their nasal passage about how they would have done it better. Really, not much better than the average, overweight, middle-class white man who will soon rev up his criticisms when college football hits the air again. And will remind you that were he 30 years younger and 150 pounds lighter and talented in any way, 
and were he to commit to exercise for the first time in his life, he would be able to do exactly what he knows those kids on the field should be doing. There is no difference. It also falls into, by the way, this terrible, terribly tragic trap of a all or nothing mentality that some in the gun community tend to have. Here's an example. Remember when Dan Crenshaw came out and said, you know, I actually support a form of red flag gun laws. And then everybody grabbed their snake flags and said, shall not be infringed and went on the witch hunt and said, hey, this uh, seal who got blown up and lost an eye defending and protecting me, well, he's worthless. He is worthless and deserves nothing but my spite and indignation. Those people failed to ever look into what Crenshaw actually meant by red flag laws because what he was saying was, if we can go through a due process process and prove that someone is a threat to themselves or their community, say they've made a significant threat against a loved one or they've told a loved one, I'm going to kill myself when I get home, then police should have the authority to intervene and save them or their neighbor or whatever the case may be. I don't want to hurt your feelings too much, but I agree with that. If there's cause and there's due process, then all of your rights are on the table for revocation if you're breaking the law and threatening bodily harm against other people, brace yourself, is a crime and you've broken the law. And I'll tell you firsthand, there are encounters you will have with people where you might think to yourself, I hope this person doesn't have a gun right now because they are irate and cannot control their temper. Let's take it back to the college football example. I remember being in a home once and because Clemson started losing a football game and the host of the party was drunk beyond belief, he took a baseball bat to a wicker basket in front of his young child and obliterated it. Now, this was the first time I'd ever met this person, and it was the last time I ever went to his home. So I'm fine. I survived. Uh, he did threaten me before I was able to leave because I found it humorous. <laughs> How do you not laugh when this happens? I don't know, uh, but I did. And he threatened me, and the guy standing next to me said, just so you know, if it goes down, I'm on his side. And I was like, right, okay, well, goodbye, and uh, good luck to you forever uh, with your family, which I'm sure is going to fall apart eventually. I don't know. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. Maybe he changed his ways. Could have been a nice catalyst to sober up and uh, be normal. I'm going to go out on a limb and say probably not. When something like a football game drives you that insane, there's a deeper issue. It's like people who are rude to retail workers. They're not mad at the retail worker. They're mad at themselves. And they are projecting it, They're putting their guilt for not being in control of their life literally out in the open for everyone to see by acting the way they act towards people that they feel like they can, quote unquote, control. Their way of grabbing a form of control over anything around them is to mistreat people. That's a weak man's way of living life. So anyway, here's Tim Kennedy, and he goes over to Afghanistan and... uh they, uh, th these guys on Instagram and YouTube, uh, again, the crowd who never served. Um, and, and I'll tell you this, even if you did serve and you want to be critical of Tim and his team, 
that he's a part of, not his team that he's leading, but the team he's a part of that he volunteered for, by the way. He's over there as a volunteer. Should I repeat that? Volunteers. They raise their hand and go. They're not compelled to do anything. Anyway, I can't find uh, where any of these gentlemen did any of that. And, and if you're unhappy with what he did and you were in the service, you're more than welcome to sign up and volunteer and go do it better. That's actually what makes the world a better place. See, we need competition in everything we do in life to drive each other to be better at whatever it is we do. And so if you're unhappy with Tim Kennedy and uh, the Mighty Oaks Foundation and Save Our Allies and the Nazarene Fund, you're really unhappy with the way these people are handling things. Literally, I mean this, no one would stop you. Peshmerga would throw their arms wide open and say, come on, come help us. But you don't see that. What you see is how dare these people, by the way, link in the description to purchase some merch. Get some merch based on memes other people made. Get your merch and support my Patreon while you're at it. Because God knows that mom's brick basement walls are the only defense I need. So anyway, I'm not real sure what the hate is all about. As you can tell, it drives me crazy because if there's one thing I can't stand in the world, more than people who steal ideas from other people, it's people who don't take action. They simply criticize after the action is completed. You could probably think of people you work with and fill that in, right? Like everybody's got that person somewhere around them, whatever the case may be. Here's what I did. I put forth the effort. Well, hmm, yeah, no, yeah, no, don't think so. Don't like it. Anyway, all right. Here's uh, Tim Kennedy and Chad from Mighty Oaks and Save Our Allies explaining, in case this comes up in conversation, explaining the vetting process for the people they got onto the planes. They saved thousands and thousands of lives, more than 8,000 people they've gotten out at this point, by the way, more than 8,000 people. Um, their operation was Operation Pineapple Express. If you feel like reading into that, you should. It's pretty cool how they did it. I won't go into all of it, but I will tell you that uh, they had a, a very well-coordinated rescue effort underway. And now, unfortunately, they're having to basically explain themselves to the world because, again, a bunch of basement-dwelling blowhards feel like if you didn't do it my way, it shouldn't have been done at all. It was it was a total turnkey operation. So from logistics to command to targeting to aviation um, to the initial emergency housing, the humanitarian effort, and now the placement. You know, like of course uh, we wanted to go do rad stuff, kicking doors, uh, but there's a bigger picture here and a bigger mission, mission, which was to save as many lives as possible. Yeah, I think it's super important for everyone to know that I don't want people to think that we went, landed a plane, opened the door and said, Afghans, come on in, shut the door behind them and landed here. We were very strategic about, we got, I, we've got about 15 to 16,000 emails in the last few days. People send them to us. We had Joint Operations Command Center in Washington, D.C. that received all those emails, fil uh, filtered them and pretty much triaged from like SIV applicants, which are like our interpreters, Americans, P1, P2 visas, women uh, that were vulnerable, like widows, uh, orphans, 
um, Nazarene Christians that would be persecuted there? The, not just the targeting, but also the bona fides and, and vetting of the people that we brought. It was more rigorous than Department of State or Department of Defense. We had nine different criteria in the selection process and then how we ultimately com- conducted a link-up. Um, you know, from tradecraft stuff, we're not going to go into a ton of detail what that looked like. But um, I know there's a lot of uh, Americans like, well, who are all these Afghans that are coming to our country? These, these were people that fought with us. These were people that were interpreters that literally saved Chad's life no, on multiple occasions. I mean, selfless people that fought for their country, and now they're unquestionably going to be murdered by the Taliban in the most horrific ways. So um, be a little bit gracious and kind um, and demonstrate the characteristics that make America great and you know, be loving embracing inclusive people you know i i can't help but think of this that i'm reminded of i was in a room with people once and i was wearing a haley strategic partners t-shirt and i won't tell you much except to say that they knew of travis haley they knew they recognized the logo on the shirt they knew who he was and they began to give me much grief for wearing the t-shirt. And I said, what's wrong with Travis Haley? What's the problem with Travis Haley? And again, here's a room full of guys who, I don't know, maybe, maybe they'd have the cojones to say it to his face, but they weren't in his face. Uh, and they went on to, be, they gave me no specific stories. Say that out at the outset, but they went on to tell me uh, that they thought he was a terrible human being. And I said, Why? I said, just trust me. You don't know him the way we know him. And I thought, that's funny. I don't, I guess, because he's, from what I know, he's a really nice guy. And, and here's the things I do know about Travis Haley. Um, I've taken two classes from his company. He taught only one of them. The other one, he wasn't able to make it uh, due to a very valid family situation. Um, and so I don't, I don't want you to take that as any like me complaining, he just wasn't able to be there. In fact, I think we talked about it here that the guy that uh, stepped in for him, who's no longer working there, was was not the world's best instructor, uh, and Travis was sorely missed in that class. Um, but the point is, the class I did take with Travis, uh, he was warm, welcoming, kind, nicest guy in the world. Uh, he shared stories with us that, that weren't necessarily war stories, as much as they were life lesson stories, different things of I've done these things and I felt like it was a mistake. I've done these things and thought it was a mistake and later realized it was not a mistake. I did what was right at the time. I've learned this perspective on life. Uh, he told an incredible story that I don't want to, it's, it's one of those things that you try not to think about too often. Um, but he, he told a story about having to learn humility for himself and anyway, uh, he was really nice to everybody, and we paid a lot of money to be there, so there's something to be said about that, meaning you know, he's probably not going to be a jerk to the people that spend good money with him, um, but there was no indication on any end. I mean, he went and had dinner with us after the classes. Like, it, it wasn't, you know, he sat and ate with us every single day. Um, he listened to my goofy ideas about different videos that I thought would be funny. Um, there's nothing rude about him. So I walked away with this impression of here's this really nice guy who's sharing as much knowledge as he can. Like he puts out free YouTube content that trains you to be a better shooter. And then you go to the class and you get that much more in-depth training. I don't see anything wrong with a person like that. Um, 
I, I, but that's the level I know him on. And so I'm reminded of that with Tim Kennedy. All these people want to complain. And then when you look at it, though, you go, I mean, listen to that right there. He's encouraging us to be kind and gracious to people. And he's actually over there saving lives. Well, who are you to sit on Instagram and call him a fraud and a grifter and a moron? I, I don't know what basis you have for that. There's no fraud. He has legitimate documentation showing he was there. There's no fraud that he went over there and helped save thousands of lives. He has a platform to bring attention to good things. And all these guys are willing to do is use their platform to try to steer the attention back to them. Who is the grifter in that situation? Who is the bad guy in that situation? Not the guy doing not the guy helping. That's for sure. You have to live in a pretty big bubble to believe that anyone's going to see you and go, that's the man full of righteous anger right there. The guy that's dragging Tim Kennedy because he went over to Afghanistan to rescue people. That's the good guy. That's the man worth aspiring to be right there. Where do I get that hat? Through the link in the description, you bet. Sign me up anyway. The alternative is, the alternative <laughs> is this guy. Because why, why are these people over there having to do it? Why are they over there having to do it? Um, this is why, and I'm going to tell you something. Nobody, <laughs> let me say this so I don't forget. This, America, is the time to do the recount and begin asking everyone, who in the world voted for this guy? And make them raise their hands and stand accountable. I will not be shy at the holidays this year talking about the disaster that is the Biden administration. Because what we've learned in the last week is actually much more terrifying than what it appears to be on the surface. See, it's easy for everyone to say he's incompetent. He is not cognitively able to lead the country. The truth is he's not incompetent. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. And the bitter truth is he believes what he said the whole time. Meaning, I think we all subconsciously believe, it's like we have this agreement with politicians. We know that you're saying what you say so that you can get elected. But we believe, without saying it out loud, that they're smart enough to know those things can never actually work in real life. Those things could never really be executed in the real world and allow us to survive to tell the tale. But what we've learned this last week is that Biden and Harris and this entire administration actually believes it. I'm reminded of when Hillary Clinton got flack for quoting uh, The Art of War, where she said, you have to empathize with the terrorists. And there is a principle in the art of war about empathizing with your enemy, but that is so you can crush them. 
So you can know how they feel, you can anticipate their movement, and you can crush them. Clinton seemed to indicate you have to feel for these guys. Look at what they've been through. You have to feel for them. You have to feel for them. And now Biden seems to be suggesting the exact same thing. Biden was asked by Peter Ducey of Fox News why he chose to leave the way he left. And he blamed the Trump administration, but at the very, very end, he said something very telling, very telling. As I've said a hundred times, terrorism is metastasized around the world. We have greater threats coming out of other countries, a heck of a lot closer to the United States. We don't have military encampments there. We don't keep people there. We have over the horizon capability to keep them from going after us. Ladies and gentlemen, it was time to end a 20-year war. Thank you so much. I don't know. I don't really understand what he said there at the end when he mumbled, uh, as he does. He, he gets into that. I've had a couple of beers talk. And uh, he loses me. But he definitely said, as you and I both heard just now, that we have much more imminent threats closer to home than Afghanistan. You and I know that's true. Joe Biden knows that's true. The unsaid part of that is that he's doing nothing to stymie that threat at the southern border. We know Al-Qaeda, ISIS, and the Taliban are moving into the United States through our southern border. We know that we've seen the car bombs in Juarez used and executed the exact same way the terrorist networks use them. We know they're there. We know they are coming here. And we know this administration has literally laughed off criticism about the way they're not handling the situation at the southern border. They're doing nil about it. And you and I and our families will pay the price. The left wants you to believe that to oppose the border policy is due in large part to our racist tendencies as white conservatives. When in reality, we're afraid that America will become Kabul. That our neighborhoods are the next airports of Kabul. You can't even get out of the Hamid Karzai International Airport. They welded the gates shut all but one so people couldn't get in and out except for that one choke point. That's our neighborhood next. The Biden administration, we know now, gave control of the city to the Taliban. The Taliban told the Biden administration, we have to do something. We'll take everything but the city and the airport and you have till this day to get out. And the Biden administration said, we're only worried about the airport. And they allowed the Taliban to take the entire city and everything up to the airport and put checkpoints in place. And the Biden administration, like they would have promised you on the campaign trail, began conversations with terrorists in Afghanistan, giving them every bit of credibility and clout that they've wanted for 20 years, putting them on par 
with the militaries of our allies, pretending that in any way their forces are equitable to our own. Not just pretending, admitting, making it true. The Biden administration believes that the Taliban should be recognized, dealt with, and talked to as politely as we would talk with any other world power. And if you don't believe me, here is President Biden excusing, excusing the fact that we've given lists of American names to the Taliban. The Taliban now knows if you're an American and you're in their country. Think about that. We gave them the names and Biden knows we did. And he's going to tell you he knows we did. Well, no, he's not. He's going to say it's possible. I don't know that we've done it, but it's possible it's been done, which is an admission of it's been done, but I'm going to deny it later once it comes out. Listen to this. There are reports that U.S. officials provided the Taliban with names of Americans and Afghan officials uh, to evacuate. Were you aware of that? Did that happen? There are certain circumstances where we've gotten information, and quite frankly, sometimes from some of you, saying you know of such and such a group of people are trying to get out and they're on a bus, they're moving from other people. And this is their location. And there have been occasions when our military has contacted their military counterparts. You hear that? Hang on to this. Our military is contacting their military counterparts. Where? President Biden, where? In the Taliban and said this. No. Oh, in the Taliban. In military counterparts. As if they're contemporaries. As if they're peers. Counterparts in the Taliban with American military. For example, this bus is coming through with X number of people on it made up a following group of people. We want you to let that bus or that group through. So yes, there have been occasions like that. And to the best of my knowledge, in those cases, the bulk of that has occurred, they've been let through. But I can't tell you with any certitude that there's actually been a list of names. I know there may have been, but mm. I know of no circumstances. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's not, didn't exist. Mm that here's the names of 12 people they are coming, let them through. It could very well have happened. I'll take one more question. All right, you're, you're the boss. You're the boss. I mean, we know he's not the boss. Somebody's pulling the strings. He keeps saying, they told me not to do this. Kind of became the, the ringing question around the internet this week. Why does he keep saying this? Who's actually in charge? Why does he keep saying they told me not to? You're the president of the United States. I don't know what your job is like, but I know at mine that you and I both know this to be true. You can read the disposition of your superiors where you work. And you know when you do certain things that they'll either be happy about it or that you will immediately regret that decision. How in the world could anyone in the Biden administration if he had a lick of love for America, American people, and the American military, how could anyone ever feel okay about handing a list of names of Americans to the Taliban? 
and not think I just royally screwed up on this one. Unless, of course, they know deep within their heart of hearts that their boss would be quite all right with that decision. Biden won't even defend what he's done. He won't, he won't even try to defend it outside of saying it was time to end the war. It's time to end the war. There are counterparts now. We handed it over to him. No big deal. But now, now he's trying to move on to the hurricane. He's running down to the Gulf. He's talking with FEMA. He goes to FEMA. And a lady tries to ask a question. I'm not, I'm not supposed to take any questions, but go ahead. Mr. President, on Afghanistan? I'm not going to answer Afghanistan now. Okay. All right, so now he walks away, and he looks confused, like he went the wrong way. And then he, he, comes, he comes back to talk to you. By the way, he's in an office setting. There's a bunch of people sitting in rows behind him. It's so absurd. I hate this kind of stuff. There's plexiglass between them, like uh, face-to-face between them, but then they're all seated shoulder to shoulder with no plexiglass between them because I guess plexiglass only works in one direction. It doesn't work like along the horizon. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if, if it's a lateral movement, plexiglass is not needed, but if it's forward motion, you need it. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, they're all sitting looking like a bunch of idiots with these masks on their face and uh, Biden gets confused where he's going. They're clapping for him. And he comes back to tell them how bra- Listen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I know there's no group of Americans know how, how dangerous it is more than you guys do. So you just got 13 military members killed because you're, you know, you don't care. Your incompetence has just cost American lives at an airport in Afghanistan. Not to mention, was it 146 Afghan citizens killed? Women, children, indiscriminately blown up. Because you, because of you, wholeheartedly, single-handedly, you set the tone, you caused this to happen Innocent people have died because of you. Private citizens and members of the armed services are still over there defending against a terrorist organization. They're holed up at an airport, welding gates shut. And you go to a cushy office setting and it doesn't occur to you that a really stupid thing to do would be to turn to them and say, Nobody else knows how dangerous it is. Now, I know he's talking about the hurricane. I get that. But wouldn't you think a little bit about just saying, hey, thank you for what you're doing to help people. There's things all around the world right now that need heroes stepping up and doing what's right. And you're a part of that. Thank you. Maybe lay off the It feels nice to say this to you, even though it's totally not true. But nobody knows how dangerous it is, except you guys in this room. When at that moment, there are people over there trying to sneak innocent people outside of now controlled territory from the Taliban. Because you handed it over. Because you're a moron. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Okay. 
Make sure you hit up feltrecoalshow.com slash mypatriotsupply. There are discount codes there. If you want to grab some coffee, that'll have a shelf life of more than two decades. That's a great idea. They have fruits, vegetables, entrees, you name it. Just go to feltrecoalshow.com slash mypatriotsupply. If you support them through that link, they will support this program. And that would be awesome. Okay, hey, um... So, you know, the COVID vaccine stuff, it's entirely out of control and it's bringing on uh, some pretty serious consequences. Now, I don't know where you're at with the uh, with the vaccine status. I'm unvaccinated and I'll likely stay that way. And do you know why I'll stay that way? Because of the science. Because of the science. A couple of things happening scientifically this week. Um, number one, the Red Cross has had to go back and now act as if they will take convalescent plasma from people who have gotten the vaccine, even though just a few months ago, they were saying they could not because the antibodies aren't there if you've gotten the vaccine. Second part of science that we've uh, discovered is natural, uh, I don't want to say immunization. What's the word I'm looking for? Well, look at it this way. If you've had COVID, you are more naturally immune. Your immune system is uh, much more likely to naturally resist the Delta variant. People who are vaccinated are actually getting the Delta variant at a higher clip than those who just got COVID naturally and have the antibodies. So when you think about it, now, pending, if you have some serious medical condition, you're really old, Maybe you have diabetes. Maybe you are morbidly obese. You should probably go get the vaccine, and, that, and that's, a, that's a fine idea if that's what you want to do. For me, not that it's any of your business, but the conversation I've had with my doctor is, you're in relatively good health. You will be okay. 99.95% of the time, if you get COVID, you'll be all right. And it appears as if it's better for you as a human to just naturally get COVID and allow your body to have the antibodies to ward off these other variants. Plus, some of us have really bad reactions to vaccines, uh, like the flu shot. So that is, that's my decision. Apparently, I can't go to Dave Matthews concerts anymore. I'm okay with that. Um, other concerts and venues doing the exact same thing. Uh, the band, by the way, not the venues, but the band, Dave Matthews Band, has made the decision you have to prove you're vaccinated if you want to get into their shows, which is interesting because I have a band and I'm thinking about touring and saying women who have had abortions can't come in. And you have to prove you never had one if you want to see my show. And then everybody will get mad and I'll say, but I thought it was okay to ask these personal questions now. I thought you had to bring your no abortion card and show it at the gate. I, I, I totally thought that was cool. I'm just following the rules of the left. I'm following the rules of the left. Funny, we've said it before. Everybody gave up on my body, my choice. Everyone is now against Roe versus Wade. <laughs> there, there's no principled application. There's no uniform application of their principles. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, they're just a bunch of emotional nitwits. That's what they really are. And a fine example is a Cook County judge who has admittedly 
strip the mother of her parental rights because she's not going to get the vaccine. Not a joke, not a joke. Now, he has reversed his decision, but only because everybody caught on to what a moron this man is. And by the way, his decision was entirely outside of the scope of what was being legally argued in his courtroom. This is from Fox32Chicago.com, Fox32Chicago.com. A Chicago mother says a Cook County judge has taken away her parental rights after learning she's not vaccinated against COVID-19. Her name is Rebecca Furlitt, F-I-R-L-I-T. She says, quote, I miss my son more than anything. It's been very difficult. I haven't seen him since August 10th. That's the day Furlitt appeared in court via Zoom along with her ex-husband, for a child support hearing involving their 11-year-old son. The two have been divorced for seven years and share custody and parenting time. She says, out of the blue, Cook County Judge James Shapiro, who, I'll admit, looks exactly like you expect him to look in his picture at fox32chicago.com, just like that embittered geography teacher I had in ninth grade, just the biggest dolt you can imagine. Well, there he is his wry little smile and his receding hairline. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, she says uh, Shapiro asked her out of the blue whether or not she was vaccinated. Furlitt told Shapiro she did not because she she had not. Probably should have said was not. But anyway, uh, Furlitt told Shapiro she had not gotten the vaccine because she has had bad reactions to vaccines in the past. Shapiro then ordered that Furlitt be stripped of all parenting time with her son until she gets vaccinated. Furlitt says, I think that's wrong. I think that it's dividing families, and I think it's not in my son's best interest. It had nothing to do with what we were talking about. He was placing his views on me and taking my son away from me. Her attorney said, in this case, you have a judge without any matter before him regarding the parenting time with the child deciding, oh, you're not vaccinated? You don't get to see your child. You have to understand, this is her attorney speaking still, the father did not even bring this issue before the court. So it's the judge on his own and making this decision that you can't see your child until you're vaccinated. Of course, the attorney representing the father, Jeffrey Leving, says they were also surprised by the judge's decision, but but they support the ruling, saying that given the pandemic, the child should be protected from an unvaccinated mother. Well, I'll be damned. Of course, they agree. Who'd have thunk it? There are children who have died because of COVID-19. Leving said, I think every child should be safe. And I agree that the mother should be vaccinated. Vaccinated. Did you you see the meme, by the way? Joe Biden killed more kids this week than COVID. I know it sounds harsh. I know it is, but remember, 146 people. And then he hit that uh, bomb. uh, He hit that car bomb with the drone. Killed some kids. We really got to let this COVID thing go. It's not killing kids at a rapid clip. They're pretty much kicking it fast. You might have a horror story that makes up 0.05%, but it is not the deadly lethal threat. And we now have countries, countries saying it's untenable. We can't continue down this path. Australia is one of them. Uh, the other one slips my mind, but they're saying we're not going to do it anymore. We're not doing it. We got to get, we got to move beyond this because two things. Because the lockdowns and the masks everywhere, they're falling out of favor, okay? It's kind of faux pas to a degree now. 
And the science is proving what we've been saying all along. It's very, very, very unlikely you will die because of COVID. Very, very, very unlikely. You have to have somewhere around three other conditions present at the same time, and COVID becomes a contributing factor, not a sole factor, a contributing factor. I have a relative who's a prime example of this happening. Very, very tragic. Don't want to use the story uh, for anything other than facts. And I can tell you, if you've got numerous contributing factors underlying it, it's a problem for you. Get vaccinated if you can. If you have health conditions, get vaccinated, sure. Because the science does suggest it won't hit you as hard. That's fine. Go get vaccinated. But this idea that COVID is killing kids like tsunamis or like a Biden drone bomb just doesn't, it doesn't hold up to honest and fair criticism. Anyway, this judge uh, has now, Judge Shapiro, wasn't that who? No, Judge Ito was the OJ judge, and then Shapiro was one of his lawyers, Robert Shapiro. Okay. I was putting them together and thinking, wasn't that the guy? Anyway, Shapiro has now reversed his decision because, well, it's probably about to cost him his job. It should cost him his job anyway. But luckily, when you're above the law because you enforce the law, like this guy, um, you can do that kind of thing. Not that big of a deal. The COVID stuff takes us. This is a doozy. This is a doozy. This week's voter of the week. I'm an ambitious officer. One voter. Everybody knows the rules. I need to be a part of the 100 Club. Patrick's here? Uh, you remember the name Arn Duncan? He was the Secretary of Education under Barack Obama's presidency. He took to Twitter to tell you exactly how he feels about those who won't get vaccinated. Seriously. You know what he thinks? He says, quote, and by the way, you, you will not be surprised to know. A, he's still allowed on Twitter, which is crazy, because I heard Twitter, uh, they don't stand for hate. But apparently they do. And B, he's deleted the tweet pretty quickly. He said, quote, have you noticed how strikingly similar both the mindsets and actions are between the suicide bombers at Kabul's airport and the anti-mask and anti-vax people here? They both blow themselves up, inflict harm on those around them, and are convinced they are fighting for freedom. Now, that doesn't tell you everything you need to know about the left and how they view you and me. And not because we're far-right radicals, but simply because we disagree with some fundamental tenets of their ideology. I don't know what else to tell you. That tweet says a lot. That man was in the Obama administration for seven years. What are you going to do with that? You're going to understand that they hate you. <laughs> they hate you. All right. Love you, mean it. We'll see you back here in just about seven days for another episode of the Felt Recoil Podcast, feltrecoilshow.com. Come over to Facebook and hang out. We're also on Instagram. It's a good time. It's a good time. We're on the internet a lot. Come find us. for listening to the felt recall podcast if you like what you heard make sure you are subscribed and that you leave a review most of all we'll love you most if you will tell a friend <laughs>